Right on. Welcome back, Ranch Nation. Frank, hanging with you uh, for what is a very special edition. Honored to do this show. You guys know we cover the whole automotive sort of lifestyle movement. Yes, you'll get your car tips here and there. But we like to deep dive into some industry stuff. And so if you're catching this on the replay, I thank you guys for hanging on the podcast and our KFNX family Saturday morning. Thanks for spending time. There's a lot of things going on with industry in general. You guys know whatever industry you're in, whether you're in insurance, whether you're in medical. And I think at the end of the day, one of the biggest factors is how well we join one-on-one and as a collective regarding diversity and inclusion. Now, some of you think about this and say, well, it's not a problem in my business. But what if your business grows? What if your business goes into different market places, market arenas globally? Or you're that small corner automotive service center. How do you handle this conversation of diversity and inclusion? Some of you have a particular side that you're comfortable on. Well, the fact is, we can always do a better job. And that's where we're going to dive into the whole uh, topic of diversity and inclusion in the automotive industry. Where are we at? Where have we come from? And what we really, truly need to work on. And I'm honored to have Principal Tammy Tecklenburg. Uh, How are you, Tammy? Good morning. Nice you, to be here. Nice to see you. You got you came in from Connecticut. I did. I did. The sunshine is really good for my soul out here in Phoenix. As a visionary leader in automotive for 25 plus years, Tammy Tecklenburg has been award-winning champion for diversity, equity, and inclusion. And throughout her career that spans how, how many years now? What, 25, 30 27. years? 27. You've worked for Fortune 100 to 500 companies doing some amazing things, product launches and things like that. For sure. And diversity is a a big deal. It is. You know, it's something that I've always, when I look back, it's something that I always was doing before it was called DEI uh, in my role as leader at these corporations to have really diverse teams. Yeah. I was very intentional about my hiring practices. And, of course, the honors are being spread as I'm a lucky host of Wrench Nation, to also proudly announce Miss Jill Trotta. You rock, girl. I'm so, I really (laughs) love seeing you. How are you? I'm great. I am so excited to be here. Yeah, well, you know, it's a topic we're going to dive into. Jill, give us a rundown. You've seen everything from service bay work as a mechanic uh, over 30 years. Talk to us a little bit about your background. Started out as a mechanic. I worked um, as a service advisor, worked fixed ops, both on the parts and service side of dealerships. And nine years ago, joined RepairPal um, in the aftermarket. Did a lot of great work with RepairPal. And um, recently, I am a free agent. I don't see you free and I don't (laughs) see you as an agent. But what I do see you is life of change and and you're one of those individuals many respect in the industry that's been on the forefront of how can i help yeah she's a change agent yeah is that the title guys i gotta look at my linkedin profile change agent i am a change agent yeah but i mean when we're talking about like diversity and inclusion some folks are stuck on behavior and behavior is a tough thing to change tammy you've worked for the corporate world behavior changes is like that's real like when we're set in certain not so much mantras but like what we do from a morning to evening and how we're so autopilot 
Can you dive in a little bit about your career and maybe give us give us a sampling of like where you saw behavior change, not for an individual's betterment, we know that's important, but really for the group whole moving forward for a positive future, since we are talking about diversity and inclusion. Talk to us about that, some of the history. With, uh, so I've had the pleasure of working for all different size companies. I was with brands like Armorall and STP, Prestone Antifreeze, Fram Filters. So I worked for manufacturers of those types of products, ultimately selling to consumers. So, you know, our customers were Advanced, AutoZone, Walmart, all that good stuff. And I've worked for companies with really great cultures and really great leaders. And I've, I've had the experience of the opposite. I've worked in very toxic environment and, and with um, very challenging um, well, Let's talk right? about that. Let's just get right to that cross-section. I mean, I, I know that when we're, everything's on pilot, everybody gets along. You know, there's sort of this group think everybody's kind of plugged into that channel, like an old switchboard telephone situation. When you had those situations with behavior and maybe some negativity, give us an example. Like, how was that overcome? And I'm looking no, for think, the beauty of that moment of change. I think now doing things like today and talking about the experience so we can learn from our past and make sure we don't as leaders make the same mistakes in the future. You know, I've I talk a lot, I'm very open about my experiences. I talk about things like um, just having your voice heard. You know, we always joke around about when you're sitting in a boardroom and you have a great idea as a woman and you bring up your idea and it's um, radio silence. And then the guy next to you says, I've got this great idea, and he steals your idea. And as a woman... That's real. Like, I mean... <laughs> That's real. Uh, and I'm a guy. I, I'm not going to... We're not going to do this dance in this interview in a biased fashion. We're going to be open, and we've all got some experiences to share with the end goal of really opening up this conversation of how we could do better. Jill, you worked in the back shop. You had to had back in the day, some issues. Here's a woman who thinks she can do what I do. Oh, yeah. I mean, there were many times where I was given wrong information. I wasn't given the proper tool. Things like that would happen. And um, you just kind of had to learn at that time to have a thick skin because there really was no help for that. The help was to leave and go somewhere else. But those problems to quit. Yeah, to quit and do something else. But, Who were you early? I mean, I could see you. You just mentioned something like. You were given the wrong flow chart or diagram, and that added another, like you chased oh, yeah. your tail. Like who, hours to who do in things. the early, and I want to speak to those young ladies yeah. out there right now that are in shop environments, and, and again, it's better than it was like when we came up 30 years ago, but who helped you figure out that, you know what, my hard work will pay off, and eventually I got this. I was, I was working actually in a shop in Oakland, and when I was very young in my career and I was working as a technician and a female shop owner who was very, well, she was the only real female shop owner in the area, came into the shop and said, gave me her card and said, you need to come and talk to me. And I did. I went over there. I moved. What she did, though, is she moved me from being a technician to running her shop. And she said, when you're 40 years old, you're not going to want to pick up that tire and put it back on the car. So I'm going to teach you to run the shop. You'll make more. And this was true. It, it, it played out for me. And 
Um, I worked there for a while and then I went back into dealerships and things like that. And by that time, I was confident in my skills and I was able to, you know, I got really good at just snapping back. I come into your shop. You're running this shop for the first time. Uh, You know, you got a great path of history. And I'm that guy. I'm like, let me speak to the mechanic. Mm Mm-hmm. I've had that. Uh, how'd you hand? I mean, how'd you hand? Because I mean, that happens. Yeah. I see it in my own garage with, with my people. Oh, yeah, all the time. And, and you know, depending on my mood. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we can have a mood, people. We're, I would we're let human. them know I am the mechanic. You know, I am the mechanic. You're going to want to talk to me. You know, I'm going to be able to better explain it to you because I didn't grow up wanting to work on cars. I didn't understand cars. I, I made a transition at some point and went to trade school and learned about cars. But, like... Car culture was not embedded it, so I had the ability, and still do, to explain complex ideas about things that are wrong on the car in a way that a normal person could understand. And that's where your respect is, is earned, yes. made, you and I've acted. earned a lot of respect in Tammy, that Tammy, what happens, I see this, you mentioned it, mm-hmm. right? And it's normal. Like, we get this defensive reaction um, so I've seen this with Susie firsthand as she was kind of growing her skill set. It's then, uh, excuse me, you want to talk to mechanic? I'm here. I can help you. Talk to us about how perhaps we need to really disarm, be open to the fact that this is happening. I've got somebody challenging me as a woman. How do I dig di- deep as a young lady that's new to this industry and let that action speak and not come across? And it's a crappy thing. Like, it's normal for us to like, excuse me, I've, I got this. And we get defensive. We talk a lot about, in that moment, seize that opportunity. Because nobody is doing this intentionally. The gentleman that's coming into the shop, it's a bias. We talk a lot about unconscious bias in diversity, equity, inclusion work. The guy coming into Jill's shop just assumes, because she's a woman, she could not possibly be a mechanic. I get that in the corporate world. I meet people and, and they think that I'm, I'm in HR or I'm in marketing, right? Because those are typical roles for women. You know, there's, there's ways to be able to, to kind of um, stop right, just like Jill will have the conversation right there, right? I, when I use that example about stealing ideas, now over the last 10 years or so, I'll say, hey, I love that you support my idea. Like, let's implement this together. So I do it in a positive way. I try to be graceful about it. But I seize the power back because I'm saying, this, this, this was mine. Or, you know, Jill saying, I'm the mechanic. And it's a different approach. You're not coming out with a full blazing tank explosion. Yeah. And that's hard, right? Because we're emotional. I tell my younger techs, male, female, it doesn't matter. You can get emotional about a situation. Maybe the older technician said something they shouldn't have said. And the reaction is what people are going to see. So I'll share with you my technique that, that seems to work with, with all. Go in the bathroom, wash your face, cool off physically. Now, I know in some occasions, if you're in a boardroom, you can't yeah. just go, uh, excuse me, I got to go. But what I'm saying is the connection to disarming the emotion mm-hmm. that you do truly got this. And I love you need, that you... You need that executive yeah. presence. You need to stay steady in a storm and you need to figure out how to diffuse the situation and and move on together. And we talk a lot about bringing the majority along. And in our industry, that's the white men, right? The middle-aged white men. With this DEI journey, we're trying to 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 
bring them along and show them the way because they didn't create these biases. They didn't create this problem that we're living in. Um, we need to help them. Yeah, let's talk about this. Acadia Center for Automotive Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. That's a pretty cool piece, an amazing resource, inspiring a lot of folks out there. Tell the folks listening now, what is uh, what is Acadia? So Acadia was founded by Cheryl Thompson, uh, CEO. Thirty, um, She was 31 years at Ford and uh, had a really great career. She was at American Axle for a couple years after that. Started Acadia about five years ago and was really moving the needle uh, in the tier one supplier kind of OE community and didn't have any visibility into the aftermarket. When George Floyd was murdered, my phone started ringing with leaders in our industry calling me saying, what do we do? What do we say? How should we, you know, how do we, our communities and our, our employees are looking for us to make statements and do something. This is terrible. And I, my reaction was, why are you calling me? And they were saying, well, you know, you've been an advocate for women for so long in our industry. I was president of Women in Auto Care and um, loved giving you different awards. We enjoy our time. <laughs> yeah, 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 we, we so, were honored. So, you know, I have, yeah. have a long history of trying to kind of raise up the next generation and, and, and be a role model for women and help women. And, and I realized that there was no one really taking that charge on DEI for all people in our industry. So Jill actually introduced me to Cadia um, at, at the point where I was looking to launch a DEI organization of my own. And Jill said, hey, do you know about this Cadia organization? And I truly believe that we are stronger together. So I didn't know need to go out. Oh, the universe aligned it. Right? Like you had so, the idea yeah, and, right. and it, it, it existed. and It existed, but yeah. not in the aftermarket, right? So I shadowed them and, and really got to know them over six months and then created a partnership with them to bring it to the aftermarket. And we, uh, we do lots of great things. We host a community roundtable. It's a member-based roundtable once a month to present um, DEI practices and programming and um, open up kind of a peer learning community, which is really cool there's some cool um we can talk about it later but there's some cool free opportunities with katie workshops and such yeah, hey, we're going to yeah. get to that in the great round tables that you guys are doing jill i gotta ask you for years it was an accepted practice in the automotive workplace that it was traditionally a male dominated man's world let's get right to it some still have that thought process okay say what you will it's backwards thinking whatever when you started in this industry and you you sort of traveled that journey firsthand, going home some days probably upset, frustrated, all those all those emotions that are toxic. What did you see in a timeline that created a shift? And if and if you want to mention names of folks that really put this on the map, like yourself and, and, and including Tammy, but outside of this interview, who said enough's enough and actually was a pinnacle? to making change and bringing out the voice. Yeah, I've always been able to connect with um, some really good leaders in the industry. One of the, I think where I really found my voice, and, and you brought up the example of when somebody sees you and they ask for a mechanic. I worked for a gentleman called Steve Dynan at Dynan Engineering, and Steve was a really great guy. And I was one of his service advisors in the front for many years. Um, you know, he was impressed with my mechanical ability and my ability to com communicate with customers. And he would frequently be in the front office and somebody would come in, ask to talk to the mechanic, and he'd be like her. 
and the person would be like, oh, can I talk to you? And he would go off on this tangent about what was wrong with their car in very technical terms. And he goes, and they would look at him with a blank stare, and then they w- he would go. So by design, he wanted to get high level so he could segue to you. And he's you. like, she understood what I said, and she's, she can interpret it to you. And so he, there was a lot of support there. And then, you know, as I evolved in my career, I would just find places that there would be, you know, people would understand the value of having a diverse thought, of having a female in the front, of, you know, the value in the mechanical ability that I have and my ability to articulate That's powerful. That. That's, that's a nugget for any organization. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think you mentioned which certainly has to be uh, entailed in sort of uh, diversity in, in, in this conversation. Um, I'm the first to admit, as a man, we overthink it, and it's analysis paralysis. I'm just going to say it. Like, having my team, my whole squad, like, we're, we're a team. But there's occasions where Frank gave up on a situation because I wasn't thinking properly. It was too high level. It was too technical. And here comes Susie. Plain Jane, this is what's in it for me. Susie actually helped me identify some weaknesses in our business model. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about that. I mean, as, as shop owners right now, that's another beautiful benefit of inclusion and diversity. Like, we're not in a box, man. There's so many great ideas and talents to come to the table. I love that Jill talked about diversity of thought. You know, we've got our industry, we have a lot, you know, a lot coming down the pike, right? We've got... Well, Currently, supply chain issues, electrification, autonomous vehicles, um, the war on talent, right? It's so difficult to get talent. And the technician shortage, as an example. So we need to think about, we need to think differently as, as shops. We need to think about bringing in different talent. We need to not just shop, we, not, we can't just fish in the same pond, right? We continue to bring in the people that are just like us. Before we go to break, I got to ask you, just, I always kind of look internationally and perhaps, are there any other countries that do it better than us? Let's talk Europe. Let's talk about the EU that we can take example from, or is it truly we are leading the way, if I can ask that? Do you see Germany? Do you see France or, or Italy doing things that we're behind the times on, or are we charging the way, Jill? I kind of believe that we're charging the way, and why I say that is there's an international group of women in automotive and I've kind of touched with them, especially right now I'm, I'm reaching out to a lot of different people talking about different um, opportunities that exist. So the, this group is worldwide. They have a conference that's coming up um, virtually and we've talked a lot about what's going on here in the United States and what's going on in other countries. And I do kind of believe that we are on. They're the, surprised the and shocked, probably saying that. things like, uh, you won't be able to get away with that. Or this is going to take another 40 years. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they've almost been mindset yeah. trained based on We're definitely culture. leading the charge from everything I've That's seen. That's good to hear. Yeah. You know, Women in Auto Care was founded over 20 years ago. And you see all of these other organizations popping up around the world now. Yeah. As you guys know, we, we were honored to get the uh, Women in Auto Care uh, Award. Is this? I think it was a business to consumer as an outlet, as you know, between podcasting the radio stuff we do. Um, folks may be new to Women in Auto Care. Tell us about Women in Auto Care. 
Women in Auto Care is a community of the Auto Care Association, and you, you promote them quite a bit in, on your shows and have been a huge advocate for the Repair Act and Right to Repair and all that good stuff. Women in Auto Care was founded about 20 years ago, and it's really a community that has grown tremendously, and it's around connecting, empowering, and mentoring developing women. We have a conference, an annual conference coming up March 23rd through 25th in Indianapolis, and you'll find lots of shop owners, the shop communities. That's where Jill and I met. Yeah. Um, we, you know, the between shops all the way up to the, you know, um, the big brands and manufacturers and uh, through the enti- it represents the entire supply chain of the auto care industry. Great and synergy I, for sure. Yeah. And on a personal note, I can, you know, honestly say that I wouldn't have the career I have in the aftermarket right now without women in auto care. The women that I've met there, the men that I've met through the through the association. Where can Been folks a, find uh, women in auto yeah. care? Give us a website. So it's autocare.org. And if you go under events, you'll find the event for women in auto care. We'll make sure to have that in show links. And we will be there. Yeah, we're honored to have, uh, if you're just joining us, Tammy Tecklenburg. Uh, Tammy's a pioneer in the automotive space, the aftermarket, great leadership. And Jill Trotta, you've been going back, way back, way back, 30 years in the <laughs> Bay, service riding, doing great things. Uh, for the industry. I want you guys to stay tuned. We are going to dive into some of these workshops. And then uh, I, I got a case example of something that happened in our garage that uh, was of uh, certainly a, a very diverse and uh, inclusive uh, sort of conversation here uh, that we're talking about. I want to share that and how we were shocked. Stay tuned. Wrench Nation. Support for Wrench Nation Car Talk, the smart choice for auto parts, Pronto National Association. Pronto is committed to the independent automotive aftermarket and demonstrates leadership within the automotive industry. Pronto Association is made up of nearly 100 member auto part distributors. Visit pronto-net.com. Automotive technical training, parts lineup, and representation of the automotive member community. Pronto-net.com. Of course you want your mileage back. And all the extra money you've spent feeding an engine gunked up with carbon. Your car needs its fuel system cleaned, and it needs it now. You need BG44K. It's the one dealerships use the most. In fact, they use BG44K almost 3 to 1 over any other fuel system cleaner made. To find a shop near you, go to BGFindAShop.com. That's BGFindAShop.com. I got my mileage back. BG. Parts Authority Auto Parts Superstores, nationwide locations. You know, one of the problems that I can have working in my garage is parts aren't delivered on time, the quality isn't there. Well, guess what? Who's yelling at me, my clients, and they're likely not to come back? Well, the Parts Authority Auto Parts Superstores, amazing service, knowledgeable counter folks, a complete line of original equipment, parts that our customers deserve. If you're an installer, Get on to PartsAuthority.com. Check locations nationally near you. PartsAuthority.com. Whether you're looking for a full-service direct mail or you just simply want a few marketing materials printed for use in your store, MailShark has got you covered. With over 10 years of client service success with direct mail postcards, restaurant box toppers, magnets, and so much more, MailShark is there to help your marketing team acquire the clients you deserve. Pay weekly, pay as you go. There is no pressure, no contracts, direct mail. For more details, visit themailshark.com. Funding for Wrench Nation Car Talk brought to you by Vision Collision, a full-service auto body repair, collision repair, 
and automotive paint facility in Tempe, Arizona, serving all of Greater Phoenix. Free towing, free estimates, Vision Collision, family owned and operated, 480-248-9049, Vision Collision. Bolt-On Technologies Automotive Software Solutions. Auto repair shops that have Bolt-On Technology software provide customer vehicle condition reports including photos and text, real-time digital reports, multi-point inspections, estimates, and repair information at your fingertips. Info at boltontechnology.com. Frank Lloyd's here, Wrench Nation. Always an honor to spend time with you guys every week. Our weekly show is done live every Wednesday from the East Valley Institute of Technology, where we're able to promote the industry, get some of the instructors on the show, as well as some of the students to talk about their experiences. We all talk about the shortages real. I highly invite you to get to your local community trade school, get in bed with those instructors, and participate. If change is going to happen, this is what we need to do. Paul Walker, tribute with a special guest, Cody Walker, that's show 246. Dave Kindig talks about his Kindig Design Company. That's show number 243. Mike Hindra joins us uh, from Monroe. Uh, we discuss a whole slew of tips regarding shocks and struts. And, of course, one of my favorites, Magnus Walker. Magnus stops by the show to discuss his incredible journey and his ability to keep it all true to his freedom of expression. Highly recommend you check out his TEDx, Go With Your Gut, and his series of coloring books uh, that's on Amazon. A fascinating documentary as well, Urban Outlaw on YouTube. Over 250 shows on WrenchNation.tv. We could not do this without our partners in the industry. Pronto Auto Care, BG, Good Guys, Parts Authority, Bolt-On, Vision Collision, Anytime Autoglass, Mail Shark, and Tech Force Foundation. Always grateful to our partnerships. If you're interested in partnering with Wrench Nation, give us an email, frank at desertcarcare.com. For now, I appreciate you taking a quick break with us. Let's continue on the discussion with Tammy Tecklenburg and Jill Trotta. Welcome back, Wrench Nation. Frank, hanging out with you guys. I appreciate you guys spending some time with us. Uh, honored to have Tammy Tecklenburg. She served the auto care industry as president, women in auto care, and is a member of the Center for Automotive Diversity, Inclusion, and Advancement. Kadia, you guys can check that out in the show links. I'll have that linked up. And, of course, Jill Trotta has established quite the history working uh, as a successful leader and a great technician in the service space and as a service advisor. Welcome back, ladies. Thanks, Frank. It's so good to be here. Yeah. Um, I thought about this. Attracting talent not like us. Jill, you just spoke to a major manufacturer. I just spoke at a major brands, brands conference. Yeah. yeah on how to attract talent and retain them in your shop and how I started. Well, talent not like us. Yeah, yeah. not like us. And right. how I started my keynote was I stood on the stage and this was uh, just kind of an impromptu. And I looked around and I saw no one in that room that looked like me. Why? And I mean, what are we doing wrong here, Jill? Like for me as sort of first, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a business owner, shop owner. Mm -hmm. How, what am I doing wrong? Like, am I boxed in? Because right now, shortage is real. Like, we need good people, technicians, advisors, management. Is it how I'm structuring things from the get-go in the message, whether it be an ad or 
I mean, I think it's the industry. There's a, a, a reputation problem in the industry, but there's also a culture problem. And when speaking with a major brand, that culture problem is wide. And that is the people that have skill set that can go into automotive can also go into tech. And I know as somebody who now is talking to people about different opportunities out there, my first question to people I'm talking to is not what is the compensation? It's what is your benefit package? And when you, when you compare benefit packages of automotive companies with tech companies, there is no comparison. Can we drill that down a little bit? Because right now there's a, big, there's a big movement like some of us are now realizing, yeah, you schmucks, you need to pay well, but it's not all about pay. Can you drill down to like if, if, if those folks that are going to any other industries, how can we attract that talent? And again, not like me. Yeah. What does a good benefit package look like outside of pay? It's, it revolves around medical. It revolves around paid time off. And it revolves around flexibility of time. I notice I a lot of shop owners are almost re-examining their four-day. There's a few in mm-hmm. the country that have a four-day. And I know firsthand when I was interviewing uh, folks over the last few years, for the first time ever, I heard... And I need every other Friday off because this is what I do that means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's really important. At the shop that I worked at in the early 2000s, we had a four-day work week. Ooh, it was nice. amazing. It was really, really good. A lot of us were coming from like grinding six days, open Saturday. Exactly, and I came from that world. So four days, even though it was 10 hours, was amazing. So that's important, you know, how much time off are you giving somebody? Most tech companies are like technically unlimited PTO. So as long as your business initiatives are in line, you can take time off. You know, that doesn't exist in the shop world. And I understand how that's hard for a shop to like plan with that. But most shops are two weeks, right? Yeah, a week or two. I, I just see it happening. Like I do see because as anything owner, whether you own a flower shop or whether you're corporate uh you know big company well these are our rules man like you we're hiring you you're not hiring us but the conversation now is like we need good talent and so not shifting gears hardcore to our affect our net end result like let's that's a true like we're not going to change that but how do we incorporate it so it complements the net end result yeah i'll give you an example uh and, and tammy i'd love your take on this we had a conversation uh, with a gal that worked for us, Jessica, great service advisor. And I didn't know about this, but deep down inside, because we do a lot of community work, she was like, she thought about it, but never brought it out. I really want to do, she came up with the whole concept, Pity Row Rescue. Like, call it Pity Row. Okay, that's mm-hmm. cute, Pity Row, for rescuing pit bulls. And she sat on this like quietly for a year. So, of course, I'm like face value, of course, do it. But f- deep down inside, beyond face value, it's like, what did I do wrong that like I didn't have an open door to these ideas? And I think that's part of what you're saying, benefit package. Like, no matter what we, what we think, we don't have to be so high level. It could be someone entry level mm-hmm. that is able to bring in these ideas. 
Tammy, this is important regarding diversity and inclusion. It is, and I, you know, I think it's being able to bring your whole self to work, and it's the cultural yeah. problems that Jill talks about, and, and I'm actually shocked that this young woman was not comfortable, Frank, because you are the role model of an inclusive and, and I, all of the work that you do in your community. She if, was good. If I but worked I for did you, not, I would have been like, I want to. I think it may have just on, on all levels of communication at the end of the day, we can have such great ideas, but if we don't communicate them. And so in my, my part, I was like, man, you should have told me two years ago. So some, what was happening in Frank's world that didn't allow, I have to take accountability for that, like that open door. Mm -hmm. um, I can't reflect and say, well, it was a personality thing. That's just how she's designed. No, like we need to allow people to bring whole self. That's powerful, by the way. Yeah, I, I love that. And and there's the business case on diverse companies. So, you know, companies with diverse talent are eight times more likely to achieve better business outcomes, two times more likely to meet uh, or achieve financial goals, and three times more likely to be high performing. So when you have guys that are really like, I don't want to do this DEI stuff, you start pulling out the business case and, and that helps a lot. Which if you're going to be that individual that wants to argue that this is sort of emotional, fuzzy, fizzy, fuzzy, go to the statistics. Like right. if you're if you're operating a successful business, you're measuring everything. Right. And so I want to go back. Uh, I, I said something earlier, I guess, because that's just what was in my brain. And you enlighten me to something during the break. It's not male, male dominated. It's male designed. Can you elaborate on that? I went through an executive um, certification program for uh, leading women at Yale uh, over this past year, and I learned that term there. And I think it's so powerful because we truly are a male-designed industry, and it's not a conscious thing. But again, fishing in your own—if you, you know, typically in the corporate side, if you have an opening, you're gonna you're gonna be biased and hire someone within your pool of opportunity, right? Our industry, when I started, was 2% women. We're now 24%. And when they're fishing in that pond, they're And again, the number, I, I want to interject. I don't mean to interrupt. We'll continue. But the number on a whole, like, is 50% of women in the yeah. workforce. And we're... we're and that's in the aftermarket. That's not even at the shop level. So it's Which I think that's going to be a lot lower. 2% lot lower. women at the shop level. Yeah. Or 2% yeah. technicians, right? 8% total, yeah crazy but uh but this we have to drive systemic change to be able to make it so it's not male designed as reported in 2020 by uh, deloitte there's a discrepancy discrepancy between genders on whether attitudes towards women have improved in the last five years this report came out in 2020 and the, and i was actually i wanted to dig deeper and i didn't didn't do that and i wanted to talk about this but it showed that um some don't believe there is change. And then, of course, they break it down to white male, black male, um, female, uh, you know, black. And, I'm very familiar with so that So please, study. enlighten yeah. me with this. Yeah. I so, saw it. I said, yeah. I got to talk to and you And it's guys. the only thing that's out there. So, you know, people uh, refer to it quite a bit. What I can say is it was, it was done by Deloitte, and it's more geared towards the tier one suppliers the, on the OE side of the business. So the aftermarket is going to be, a little worse than that. <laughs> wow. Can you, because I don't think I was clear with folks listening, can you get a little deeper in, in the description? I mentioned black male, black female, white male, white female, and their viewpoint, according to this, this uh, report, about how change is getting better, 
and they didn't see, I think that they cap, what did they cap eight from 2018 to 2020? My mind, I'm thinking, oh, this has got to be positive. It's getting better. But their viewpoints was it wasn't getting better. I think that you, I think we're seeing, you go to Apex. I'll use a, a story. We go to Apex mm-hmm. and we get excited because we see more women. You talk to the male leaders of all of the big companies and, and they say, oh, there's, there's more women at the table. But is it, you know, is it equitable? Is it inclusive? And that's why you're seeing it go backwards. We're making and which table is it? We're making the we're making <laughs> so the we're effort to, to to make it a little bit more diverse than it was certainly mm-hmm. um, versus when we started. But it's we're not driving that systemic change to make them feel like they want to work here. And and, and with the great resignation, so women we talk about women being 24 percent of our industry. The great resignation. Wait till they run those numbers when Catalyst runs those numbers again next year, and and look at what COVID has done to them. You know, we're going to take a huge step back because the great resignation really impacted women the most. And especially when you're talking about on the shop side, and when you're talking about in the aftermarket. On the shop side, I recently had lunch with a um, really awesome shop owner from Santa Clara, and she had a service advisor who was a single mom and was going to have to quit because she had to be home with her kids. And she created a model that her service advisor could be home. I'll tell you, I'll share you on that. I get excited about this because, quite frankly, my wife, Josephine, was going through the roof. You know, insurance, insurance won't allow it. Amy was a service writer with our shop years ago before Susie did a great job. And she was pregnant. Guess what? She took her time off. She came back and we set up a whole baby nursery center. The of kid, course she did. Yeah. The kid was four months. <laughs> now, my wife was like, oh, no, customers, blah, blah, blah. They're not going to, you know, I said, no, man, we're family. I'll make it work. Make it work for her because she wanted to come into work. She just had that drive and, and she didn't want to. She's just active, you know, that way. And we made it work like we made that work. And so I think the bigger thing is some of you listening may have this sort of block. And as you mentioned, Tammy, we got to go outside of our standard network pools of attracting talent. As you say, Jill, for sure, that's different from me, whether it's different from me in a situation or who I am. Gender wise, color, where I come from in this world. To me, that was like, and I had a hard time with my wife because she's all for that. But she put on that whole corporate hat. This is insurance liability and all this stuff, which you got to respect. Is some of that going on? Do you see that there's some liability that's ridiculous that the corporate world believes they cannot? This is why, because we'll, we'll, we'll be, we'll be, uh, this is too much liability. And I, I gave this case, but I'm saying, and in, 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 if it's even a question, in how we open up our world and behavior to inclusion and our diversity. I mean, this one's going deep, but one of the things I want to go deep. One of the things I hear a lot about, and we we had this conversation over dinner with with a really well known leader um, in this area the other night. You know, he's really working hard to bring in more diverse talent and and create you know programs and practices to make the the, the women or people of color successful in his organization. Um, and he's experienced some recent lawsuits, and from um, you know things like sexual harassment or or it's a toxic it's a uh, toxic work environment yeah a, a, like a bullying type stuff right and so that's you know 
the pendulum can't swing that far, right? We need we because that's your liability because yeah. it's on the other end, and so perhaps so they get a yeah. little bit nervous, you know, like you want us to bring in all these women, but this is what happens. But it's happening because you have a really bad culture, and and you are not, you know, getting to the root of the problem. Right. Because you're you're yeah. focusing on the diversity, but you're losing the equity and inclusion piece of it. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll share. Um, so we had a gentleman uh, by the name of uh, Mike. Uh, he was a technician. He was good at what he did. And so, you know, we celebrate. We go out. We have dinner probably once a month, twice a month, what have you. And Mike was newer to us at that time and loved his work, loved his work ethic and all of that. Mike showed up that evening as Michaela. Mike was cross-dressing. And, and I'm, me, I love everybody. But guess what I had to think about, right? So the, the crew at that moment in time embraced that. They were cool with it. We had fun. Everybody had fun in, in what I thought was respecting who he is. But next day, guess what happens in a shop environment? It's, it's just exactly the same thing with women who are wrenching in the shop environment. Guys can be idiots. They can be hardcore. Mm -hmm. And they think, oh, it's just how we are. But like the executive you spoke with, it's like you got to design something. And in my case, I looked at it. I had sit downs with everybody individually. I got the team together, you know, and it worked out for us. But man, if I was a multi-store and let's say that case example happened three times a year in whatever way that posed itself as someone different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're very connected to sh your shop, so you know what's going on. There's a lot of shop owners who are not as connected, and they wouldn't have picked up that there was some of that behavior going on in their shop, and, and they also wouldn't have known what to do about it. What I think is cool with this story, thank you for sharing, is that this person felt comfortable with you as a leader to show up as their authentic self, as, as shocking as it was for you and your team. Uh, Maybe they should have given you a heads up, <laughs> but it's, you know, I think it's pretty cool that they showed up and sometimes said, you just take what you have. This is me mm -hmm. and all of my glory and, and you let, deal with it. you let, like if you truly built a culture, it's never mm -hmm. perfect. You let that out. Yeah. And then people under whatever vibe culture you've built will do the right thing. I believe that. Yeah. But it worked out and we love the guy. You know, and, and, you know, he's moved on since, you know, but in your talk, not only with individual executive leadership, but uh, sort of speaking to the industry, and this could be a whole show in itself, and we're not going to go that deep, but what's the basic principle as I am developing my policy and procedures about how I implement a true inclusivity, diversity, and, and make sure that I'm promoting a culture of we and everyone. I think it really comes down to your policy, you know, starting with your hiring practices, setting expectations of your team, looking at your, your policies, looking at your customer base, looking at how you're treating the external world and the internal world. Um, you know, creating that culture of, of, you know, the team, you know, that teamwork that you do so well. You know, I see you really as a role model in this space, Frank. I'm on a journey. I, you know, people say that, like, you know, all this stuff. And my thing is I, I get goosebumps, not on what I do, but what I can, like, share and make, make everyone, including myself. Like, this has been a learning experience for me. 
Oh, but yeah. this is one of the things that I love that we talk about in DEI is progress over perfection. Progress love over that. perfection, right? Yeah. You're, nobody's perfect. I say the wrong things all the time. Yeah. Um, I really struggle with the pronouns. <laughs> I, you know, I do my best. But, you know, I think that we all need to just move this needle forward. Before we wrap up, I want to talk more about Kadia. Um, Kadia is a big deal. Is there so much by way of workshops, resources? Just an incredible space for many of us to call home base, if you will. Um, you got workshops coming. I'll start with you, Jill. Uh, workshops for Kadia. I want to get involved. How do I? Where's the calendar? Uh, perhaps I'll uh, take this one. Tammy, so, you take it. Yeah. So on February 16th, we have at noon Eastern, noon to 1.30, we have a uh, Kadia roundtable for the auto care industry, a.k.a. aftermarket. And what we do is the, the topic this month is DEI structure and implementation. And we have a different topic each month. And we, we do a presentation and then we open it up for this peer learning community. And you have shop owner like Tara Topol, who's a rock star. She's, she's going through, Katie also has a certification program that Jill is going through, 13-week DEI certification. It's really amazing. So if I'm a shop owner, um, I can send my, because I was going to ask you, like, I may struggle with writing a really good policy. And, and making sure I'm doing right by that, that's where I can get all. Yes, we can and support in various ways for sure. I'll make sure to have we that do, in show links. We, yeah. do the, we do those roundtables every month. Um, so the next one is March 16th, and that one's around recruitment, which is going to be really great. So the roundtables, it's an annual membership to be able to go to those roundtables a month. There's also a free element that I would really um, welcome the shop community to come to. The next one is called Kadia Connects. It's on March 8th, and March 8th is actually International Women's Day. Um, and the topic this year is around breaking the bias. So that's one you should put in the show notes to make sure that everyone can come to that. Well, definitely. Jill, you got to be excited because I know that uh, you mentioned something about uh, like you're a free agent or something, right? You know? <laughs> yeah. But as a change agent, for sure, um, what's your future look like? Where, where can we find you? A lot of folks listening admire what you do and are just want to. Right now, I'm it. just having conversations with different people. I'm, I definitely want to stay into the in the You're aftermarket. You're taking a break. You need to take a break. Good for you. And um, you know, doing some work with Tammy and nice. doing some speaking and talking to different people. Um, definitely do still want to be in the aftermarket and making a difference. I'm really passionate about shops independent shop owners and about consumers and how those you know create a synergy between them and I really want to continue that work and I do want to mention something about the Kadia roundtables um, that's how I initially got involved there was it popped up in my feed I was like that's interesting so I went and then I had a conversation with Cheryl and then I told Tammy I was said this is really great and they've done a really good job of creating a safe space at those roundtables where people can talk about personal things and, and personal challenges that they've had We to open overcome. up like we open up and we can share like that's, that's deep. You don't mm -hmm. have a lot of, we're, we're trying to bring more of that uh, to associations, affiliations and such across the country where we can, we can get a little deeper because then we can get right to it. And that's really cool to hear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so that's important. The it's nice to be on the journey with all of these companies that I, all these brands that I admire and respect, and shops that I admire and respect, and helping them. Do you ever get a rebuttal? And of course, not mentioning names, I wouldn't do that. But is is there still a mindset? Well, or you don't hear from somebody that that's kind of quietly saying, 
go away for sure i've been ghosted um, but but you just have you know you just have to keep moving and find the people like you that want to have this conversation yeah there's a lot of us in the industry for sure uh center for automotive diversity inclusion and advancement kadia we'll have that in the show notes jill trotter you're a rock star where can folks find you? They may want to connect on social. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Facebook. Excellent. Very good. Tammy Tecklenburg, you're a rock star. Where can folks find you? Same. LinkedIn for sure. Excellent. Hope you guys enjoyed that. I'd love to hear your comments throughout uh, social and, of course, on the website, wrenchnation.tv. Make sure, remember, as we always say, that uh, you, you've got a rock star in your community. We've got an open mic. We'd love to share their story. As I tell you every week, be safe, hug each other, and never forget to hug a mechanic.